yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling. You feeling it? I'm feeling. I'm it. feeling. Ow! I'm what are you feeling? I'm feeling. I'm feeling howdy. Ow! Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert and I'm Ira. And this is Anti-Wave. Yes, it is. A podcast all about the films that fly high like a bird above like the regular, high. typical Hollywood films. And that's good. I get it, Robert. Good segue into it, because the film we're critiquing this week is... Fly, fly, high Flying high Bird. Flying bird. <laughs> high Flying Bird. And we, our top five happens to be top five favorite... Steve Soderbergh films. Yeah. Yeah. Good. There you go. Why don't you move that mic a little closer A little to closer? You, yeah, I can I can hear a little bit. How's that? No, not enough. Not, not keep, enough? Keep Even going. closer? A little more. But yeah. now I'm licking it. Yeah, that, okay. that's it. Oh, yeah. Pretend it's a big black dick. Yeah, well, I did that last night. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, man, Steve Soderbergh movies. Yeah. I'm excited about this I know one. you are, Robert. We're going to talk about why you're so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Can talk you tell to... I'm fully engorged? You're fully engorged, yeah. And again, uh, an uneven director. That's mm. fair to say. I think so. Uneven. As, as some great stuff. A and huge fan some, of. Yep, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. in a little bit. How was your week, man? Week was good. Week was good. What's going on with you and producer Joey? Anything update here? Um, uh, not much. No. Oh yeah, she's pregnant. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Week thirty-seven. Wow. Yeah. Forty yeah. weeks is full term. Wow. So full term. We're getting getting there. We we just passed the uh, no longer a preemie stage. So. If if producer Joey went into labor so right today, now, today, right, tonight, she would. Is not. that water coming out from underneath your seat, producer? Jo- I think her water just broke. Oh Ira, my God. oh, what do I? Boil more hot water. This Where's is the blanket. This is going to be one of those license to drive moments where you have to drive us to the hospital. Yeah, and watch just run me every faint red light right here, Ira, Ira. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if she went into birth right now, uh, then she would no longer be a preemie. Wow, how about that? Yeah, she being our daughter, not. Producer Joey. Oh. Producer Joey is no longer a preemie. I understand. Yeah. Okay. You're going to open gonna hear, it. We're going to hear the noise. Do it. I don't want to hear. Do it. There it was. That's, I ever <laughs> drinks a, 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 a ginger ale every single show. I do. Yeah. <sighs> it's like a commercial. <laughs> yeah. The pause that refreshes. Hey, man, what would um, you see this week? Okay. Oh, you're saying it's time for the week in review? Yeah, that's what I'm so saying. So another... <laughs> <laughs> some are old, some are new. We now present the Week in Review. But Robert, I'd like to start off with a couple of, um, another one of my corrections, if I may. Yeah. Last week, uh, I included um, Melancholia, and you asked me about art house movies. Yeah. And you asked me if it was part one or part two, and I erred by saying it was part one. Dude, I saw part two because I saw the world end at the end. So it was part two that I saw. Oh, thanks for spoiling it. I know. Well, they know that. I oh. mean, don't they know that? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, another planet crashes into Earth. Oh. But I just want to clarify that it was part two. and um, It was Lars von Trier, though, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, you definitely have the uh, the right director. So you were wrong. I wasn't wrong. I was wrong. Right. I was wrong. You're, you're, you're wrong. Well, All right. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't want to be wrong. What you? else? No. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that. But a few movies that I did see the past seven days include... I watched the opening 18 minutes of Up. You've talked about oh it. Gosh. We've talked about it. And again, this was Pixar 2009. Ed Asner, I forgot, did the voice. Of mm-hmm. course he did the voice because yeah. this is likeness. And again, just going through the whole history of birth and life and death and how powerful that was without any dialogue, just with music. Had um, you seen it before? I, yes, I did. Okay. I saw it in its entirety a long years ago. But I watched the first those 17 minutes and man, mm, and the music. It was it's just terrific. spot on, yeah. Have you ever heard of a movie? I don't think Can I this ask is... you a question real fast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever cried in a movie? When I first saw the original King Kong on TV, 
and the black and white flickery image of Khan going down the Empire State Building, I remember his body even hits the side of it before hitting the ground. Yeah. I was a basket case. Really? Yes. How old were you? I was uh, <laughs> set up for a joke. It was three years ago. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I was real, real young. I was probably like, I don't know, I'm guessing like seven, eight or well, nine. Well, as a grown man, have you ever cried? Uh, no, but there's one that's more recent, though. I was with my brother, and my brother was babysitting me, and Walt Disney Presents had the Mountain Men, and it was with Fess Parker. This and was all, three years ago, right? No, this is three. And they die at the end, and Carl turned to me and said, this is good, huh? And I was sitting behind him and I had tears going down my cheeks and he turned off the TV and he had to explain to me, Ira, these are actors. It's, they died, they died, they're all died. Ira, Ira, they're actors. It's not real. They died, yes, yes, they died. Yeah, that was about uh, last Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That's two times. Of recent, I want to tell you, I'm slowly going the chronological order. Okay. Uh, love Story. Oh. Love Story, uh, when I saw it with my then-girlfriend, Joelle. Wait a minute, Joelle. you what? were talking shit about that movie. Oh, it's a horrible movie, but still made me cry. Really? Yeah, yeah, the I, movie, I, I liked you that liked movie. it. Yeah. Yeah, Robert Evans himself, who even said the screenplay is done on toilet tissue. Right. And that's what yeah. he said. But it, it's a flimsy little nothing, but it just worked when he gets in bed with her and she's dying of leukemia. Oh, another spoiler alert. Yeah. But yeah, and the music and everything else, I got real emotional. Mm-hmm. So when else with, did you cry? Uh, I think that was three examples. More recent, cry. How old like were you a, with, with Love Story? Well, that was probably in 1969 or 70. Well, how old were you? Then? I don't know. If I was born in 47. Okay. Yeah, so I was probably too old to cry. That's not true. Like young old, young teens, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Was, no, older than that. I was in college. I was oh, in my young yeah. Uh, young twenties, yeah. yes. older teens. That's yes, what I meant to yes, say. Yes, that's what we meant. Uh, of recent years, and like the last five or ten years, maybe a lump in my throat. I'm not. Nothing's coming to mind now. What about you, Robert? Well, up. I I was I weeping openly during up. But you know what other movie? Oh, notebook. Did you cry during the notebook? I got real emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. What I mean, I can gonna, understand. What were you gonna say? Um, what's that? Oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. It's because it, it's like it's called Life in a Day. Did I tell you about I, this? I saw it. Did you see it? Yeah. Nah, I started crying during that movie. That was incredible. The documentary all around the planet. Yes. Yeah. You gave me that. Did I give that to you? Or I watched on YouTube. Oh, okay. That was on YouTube. You told me to watch it. Oh, yeah. That when, was real powerful. When I started getting weepy. But, okay, so we should set the premise up. Yeah, the whole yeah. premise is that... Uh, on one day, was it Tony Scott or Ridley Scott? I can't. It was one hey, of the Scott producer, brothers. Can you look it up? Life in a Day. Who who was the director? It was one of the Scott brothers. But they um, they sent out a request for everyone to submit videos of what happens to them on this day. And people from all around the world just said, "Here's what happened on my I don't know June fourteenth, twenty ten, or whatever year it was." And they took all this footage and they assembled it together and it just kind of jumps around from different spots. Somebody in Ireland and somebody in Malaysia or whatever, Madagascar and all these other places around the world. There's one scene with the man and his son and he's waking his son up and it looks like maybe, I'm going to guess the Philippines or something. And they, um, they're like, come on, let's go say hi to mommy. And they, they go in and there's a picture of a woman and they light a candle for her and he's like do you want to you know pray and the kid's like no like let's get ready for school and the dad's like okay i'll I'll say the prayer and he says a prayer and apparently this is their lifestyle now and you could tell that the mom has died and left dad with 
the kid and he's taking care of the kid and still honoring her memory it's it was just so emotional was for me near the beginning of the film yeah, it was, was it was the, probably see, i remember that 10, it was the very 10, beginning in, yeah it was the, and i also was moved with that one sequence that one shot as well and the, the very who was the it the director oh kevin mcdonald but wow, who were produced we wrong? it yeah but uh, one of the scott brothers produced okay, it then okay maybe that might be right i guess it was kevin mcdonald but it was uh one of the scott brothers was very involved he must have produced it but at any rate, the, also the very end, I don't know if you remember, but the very last shot is a girl in the car and she's talking about how it's, it's almost midnight now and she's been trying all day to do something to make herself worthwhile and she doesn't have anything. And she's like, it's like 11.59 and what do I do? And the day's almost over. I've been trying to do something for this all day. But, and she's like, she's kind of in tears and she's basically kind of down on herself of like, I just don't have anything. I'm not that special. I'm just an ordinary average girl and I've got nothing special to say. And, and that's, and that's it. And that's the everyman thing that these are, this is the angst that's universal, right? There you go. Yeah. That's the angst that's universal. And it also suggests that we're all quite connected. Yeah. It's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful film. Yep. You turned me on to it about a year ago. Yeah. 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 All right. What else nice. did you see? This week? So up and I also saw a few other films. I'd like oh, to briefly Ridley and Tony Scott. Exactly. Oh, they did it together. It. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I happen to watch pieces of American History X again, man. Just the curb stomping scene? Just the, that curb stomping with the head going, you know, the way that movie shot, everything about it is yeah. just really unnerving. I, I watched a major chunk of Casino. I want to say Don Rickles was pretty fucking good in that He's movie. He's awesome. He really was. And this brings up a fascinating question about, about talent and, and people's art. I've, I've often made the argument that if you're good in one arena... We've talked about this. It often spills over. over yeah. He's a stand-up comic, but also a damn good actor in that film. Right. And I think people like that also tend to be, I don't know, musically inclined. You know what I mean? Yeah. People who pursue, I excel in the him. arts. I saw him right before he died. Yes, you did. And he sang songs. And he could no longer stand. He was sitting at a uh, on a chair the whole time. He couldn't really get up. And it was weird because everyone knew he was about to die. Mm. And, like the whole audience could feel it. And it was like, this is going to be his last big hurrah. And he came out and sang and did a little bit. And, and it wasn't maybe a few weeks later he was gone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I saw him in Vegas. It was probably like in the 80s, 70s or the 80s. I saw him in Vegas. But that's incredible what you saw. Yeah. The pathos of that. So he was damn good in Casino. Hell of a movie. I also saw um, Solar, Solar, Solaris. 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 Solaris, not Solaris. That's how I always say Solar- Yeah, which I'm going to save for later on because uh-huh. it happens to be an, <clears throat> another list. I don't want to talk about it now. However, the main one that I do want to talk about, it's another thank you to you, Robert. Mm. Thank you for turning me on to Final Cut, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. By the yeah. way, I don't think it was on YouTube. Uh, we had to go to uh, Vimeo. Isn't that right? I think so. I, I think yeah. you sent me the link on Vimeo. I had trouble going, but I had it streamed from my cell phone onto my TV, and it was great. And I watched the whole thing its entirety. Uh, Robert, why don't you first describe what it's about, and then I'll give my impression. So we kind of talked about this last week when we were talking about art films. The whole movie is edited together from other films. So... Um, there is a narrative, and you are it able is. to follow a main character, and uh, it's kind of a, a boy meets girl uh, setup. But the main character jumps from actor to actor to actor because it's all of your favorite films being portrayed. So it might be Indiana Jones, and he might turn his head, and then all of a sudden, it's uh, Bogey from Casablanca, and then he might say, you know say something or give a look, and then it might be some French film from you know the uh, you know new wave or something like that and then it might be some foreign german film i don't know it will jump around from all of these different films 
and it somehow still tells it a makes story. sense it still works uh, and your brain accepts the different character actors yes that's it well first of all i want to say that there are over 500 movies over 500 right. classic films can you imagine it's not just one's knowledge of film but an obsession perhaps yeah i mean an obsession the work to piece that thing that's together. why i said it's an art film it, it truly is an art is film absolutely art. and again i found my brain first robert you'll appreciate this I was preoccupied with doing the best I could to identify the movie. The films. And yeah. then I wanted to stop doing that. Yeah. And instead, I wanted to go for the emotional swell. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So there were like these two parts of my brain that were operating at the same time. Is it going to be a game? Oh, I remember that film. Oh, that's India. Or do I just want to pull back and allow the characters, the actors to meld into one another and go on this ride? The images were incredible. And of course, we see at the end, the, the run, the famous run, and then the kiss for all these shots of famous running sh shots and kiss shots. And I want to say, too, that the, um, the audio was really well done, too, Robert. And I think you're going to know what I mean, that... They often, in one sequence, they kept the audio from that scene and let it spill into other shots. Yeah. Yeah. Often with music, often with music, but even with dialogue, and they kept the dialogue from a certain... Overlapping. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for, overlapping. Also, the aspect ratio did change, but that didn't bother me. Right. Sometimes it was widescreen, sometimes it was a square. It didn't matter. You accept it because yes. of I, what you're watching. Yes. Yes. This is another one where I want to thank you. I love this film. It was a fascinating premise. Yeah. And my God, uh, it was an obsession. Yeah. Do you think? And I don't... The editing. I mean, someone else could make another film like this, but I don't think anyone will. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's something to this film that just kind of feels like this is going to be the only one like this. Agreed. Agreed. Do you know what I mean? I do. Well, because it is a... I hate to use the word gimmick. I hate that word because that's got a negative connotation. It is a gimmick, or maybe a device would be a better way to put it. Yeah. I don't know how to label it, which word is, but but yes, I think this is a one-time thing. It'll probably never happen again, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Mm. Uh, I I was swept away by this film, by the uniqueness of it and the simplistic story, but it worked. And again, I want to thank you for turning me on to uh, Final Cut, ladies and gentlemen. What'd you say? This week, uh, I saw a couple films. I saw... We'd been talking about Thin Blue Line a little bit on yes. the show, and I, I said to producer Joey, I haven't seen it in a long time. I want to go back and watch it. So we watched it this week. Man, that movie's good. I love that movie. And it, it pains me that he did not get best documentary for Thin Blue Line yeah. because it was considered a nonfiction film instead of a documentary, which is total bullshit. They changed the rules for the Oscars after that. But uh, at any rate, it's a fantastic documentary. If you like crime... Uh, like any of the Making a Murderer kind of uh, documentaries, that's a really, really good movie to check out. But we also saw a movie that, Ira, I texted you and asked if you had seen, and you said you hadn't, and I'm really surprised that you hadn't, because it's one of your favorite directors. Bad Day at Black Rock. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Directed by John, John Sturgis. Sturgis. Yeah. And you, that's right. And you watched it. Yeah. I really and... liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, there were definitely some problems. It's a film I would not be surprised if they updated. Um, it had a little bit of the... Uh, it, it had a feel similar to High Noon. You know, it, it all took place in one day. It, there was definitely kind of a showdown that you knew was coming. Uh, that kind of thing. But there's a lot of mystery. There was a, a lot of really good tension because the premise of the film is Spencer Tracy's character gets off the train in this place, you know, Black Rock, and he... Uh, no one ever gets off the train of Black Rock, and he gets off, and it's a tiny little two-bit town, and there's some sort of secret that's going on, and everyone wants him to leave. They're like, why the fuck did he even come here? And 
there's this internal tension amongst the uh, the town dwellers versus Spencer Tracy, who's an outsider, but he almost doesn't seem to care. And that's a it's a really great um, keeps it keeps you on the edge of your seat because you want to know what's going to happen. You want the mystery to unsolve in front of you. So anyway, check that out. It's a good movie. It holds Tom up pretty Sturgis, well. who, of course, did The Great Escape, The Magnificent Seven. Yeah, and it looks beautiful. It's the it same does, kind of it? imagery. Yeah. A great story. I think I might have shared this with you. I, I, I read it in a book on uh, about John Sturgis, where on the set of Bad Day, Spencer Tracy was telling Ernest Borgnine, you might have heard me say this, not so much how to act, and he wasn't big, but he was reminding him where to stand and little pointers. And then it was either the following year or a couple of years later that Ernest Borgnine beat Spencer Tracy for the Oscar for Marty. Yeah. For Marty. So it's just funny. And Ernest Borgnine liked telling that story. Yeah. I love or- Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. He's so great. Was he, was he a great actor or was he a certain type? He was a, he was a type. Do you know what I mean? I do, but, but I actually was think he was, he was a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can... I can understand where he sometimes overacts a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, Marty was great. Marty, Marty. I think was that's a one of the great. Movie. That's one of my favorite films. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Ernest Borgnine uh, was never good link enough to be the leading man. Yeah, it's not good, but it was more than a character actor. Somewhere in between those two, right? Just a real dependable, very dependable actor. Right. That's right. cool that you saw that. Nice. Hey, man, you want to talk about High Flying Bird? High Flying Bird and Robert. Talk us through it. Okay. High Flying Bird is a new film by Steve Soderbergh. Uh, he made a little uh, deal with Netflix. So the film is in theaters in limited release, but it's also uh, being streamed on Netflix. So if you want to check it, probably going to check this out through Netflix. The story centers around uh, Ray Burke, who is an agent uh, for primarily basketball. He works for an agency, but he's an agent. And there's a, an, an NBA lockout. And all the players are hurting, and there's a big push between the players and the league to try to uh, renegotiate salaries and things like that. In the meantime, uh, Ray is trying to keep his clientele happy, and uh, there's a lot of uh, bickering over money and and how they're going to be able to survive. And he stumbles into a way that possibly he could make some extra money by creating a kind of additional league, like a um, uh, one-on-one kind of... um, almost like, what do you call them, like basketball matches, I guess. Hmm. Uh, and he, he realizes he might have a way to make money outside of the league. So that's kind of the basic premise of the film. is, yeah. uh, and, and it is a very talky film. It's a lot of, oh my gosh, Ira's reaction. Uh, I'm revved up. What, yeah, what did I do? Did I just roll my eyes? It, it is, it's a lot of dialogue. It's a lot of um, interesting performances. And Ira, what do you think? I fucking hated this movie. Why'd you hate it? I did. And I also resent that these movies that <clears throat> my podcast partner is picking this week and, of course, last week with uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Come on, dude. Let's make these better films from now on. I understand. We know the fact that I'm really tired of hearing about it was shot on an iPhone 8. I get it. And I appreciate that. But that does not a good movie make. This was a laborious film. I had a hard time watching the full 93 minutes. I was 45 minutes into it. I was so tempted to just stop. I was so tempted, but I really didn't want to let you down, nor our listeners. I went all the way with this. I thought it was, first of all, and I'm not being funny here, Robert, first of all, is it, is it a lockout or a lockdown? I've seen it referred to that same term with two different words. And regardless, lockout, lockdown, what is that? I don't even know what a lock, I hate sports. Wait, wait, wait. Let's start at the beginning. I hate, I'm not a sports kind of guy. Oh, really? No, uh, 
a lockout or a lockdown. It's actually both. What is that? Just tell me you in know two what sentences. would be awesome. What? what? I would Here love you. to have you go on a sports podcast. Yeah, yeah. For like a, a month and a half and just be the sidekick <gasps> and be like, well, what does that mean? A what touchdown? Is, even, you, yeah. don't, what, you don't know what a touchdown is? No, what is that? What is My a touchdown? My poor dad, he tried so hard. He took me to Dodger games. He did everything he could. We went to see the Harlem To be Grove fair, he molested us. you at the but, Dodger yeah, game. But, so sh- there's I, don't no one. The, I don't want our listeners to know. Oh, yeah, okay. he did. Well, uh, twice. I'll, I'll be sure to twice. edit that out. Yeah, okay, twice. But um, yeah, okay. I don't. And seriously, in one sentence, what is a lockout or a lockdown? What is it? What does it mean? It's, when, it's never explained. It's when they lock the doors, like they're locking out. No games. No games. Because they're holding out for more money. Right. Is There's, that it? There is more a money contract for the players or the managers, agents? Well, it depends. The, who are you talking about? Yeah. It depends. Both sides want money. In if, this film, what was... Well, in this for? film, the Players Association, right? So the players have an association, basically like a union that represents them to the owners of the teams. The owners of the teams all come together. They have a big meeting and they discuss... All right, the players want an increase. So everybody across the board gets an increase of uh, 1% or 5% or whatever it is, 10%, however much. And the owners either say, okay, everybody, even the lowest man on the totem pole, gets paid a little bit more, or fuck you, we just won't have any games. Okay, so in this film, the purpose of lockout was to get more money for... The players. Got it. Okay. But of course, the owners want to keep that money, so it's more money for the owners too. Okay, and please tell me... What the agent's idea was. I, I didn't, I wasn't tracking the, his the aha. What was his big idea? Okay, so the agent's premise was this. His, he has a, a player who's really good and is about to break into, uh, into superstardom. However, they're not playing games, so he can't break into superstardom if he's not playing games. So he, he wants the lockout to be over. So that his guy can can go, and in the meantime, his guy is making really bad financial decisions. And Ray also has a friend who runs this charity organization, right? Do you remember that part? No. Oh man. No, this is a charity organization. You, you must have really zoned out. No, I was watching it. No, sort of. You missed that. Well, the charity organization was the the kids, the kids with the, on the basketball court. Did you? Oh my! Did you? Turn oh yeah, it off? yeah. No, I saw that. <laughs> No, the, the camera was panning around 360 yeah, on the court. Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, I know. Okay. Instead, I remember the shot because I was very aware of the shots. You're just watching basketball. Well, I was, just like, there was no know. basketball in the film. There was no basketball games on yeah. the camera. But okay, I remember the scene. I do. Seriously. So yes. there, there's a hot shot who's already a big guy and he shows up because uh, Ray had kind of offended him, his mom. And that player had been having some Twitter fights with this up and coming uh, superstar so during the lockout the superstar hotshot shows up to the celebrity match right and they're like oh man i fucking told you over twitter i'd take you out on a one-on-one any day and he's like okay well let's do that now and they started to have this one-on-one uh match like they started to play basketball but and they didn't show it they just started and that's when the the scene cut and then we find out that ray had actually gotten involved in in the middle of that one-on-one when they were tied and said no no no, i canceled it no more you can't you're, you're not going to do this anymore uh because your teammates are actually on the same team and Got he's it. like i don't want you guys fighting with yeah. each other when the lockout is over he realizes that people wanted to see what happened and he he could actually create a whole new business model this way of 
let's just take this superstar basketball player and this superstar basketball player and let's put them together outside of the NBA. And now we can charge a lot of money. Charge? For it. Would that be televised? Possibly. I think he even said like uh, Netflix right, wants right, a streaming right. connection there. So right. Netflix was willing to to pay big money in order right. to have that. Right. So Netflix itself became part of of the story. Okay. I just have two words. I have a feeling you like the film more than I did. Two words. My, in some cryptic dialogue. Cryptic dialogue. Okay. It was so talky. It was. And, um, but uh, talk. How did, how... Two things. One, I think it would help to watch this movie with subtitles on. I'm not sure. Do you usually do that or no? No, I know uh, you do sometimes. Yeah. Huh? I do always. Yeah. Almost always. And I think that helps me one, understand what they're saying a little bit when it does get kind of technical. And this was a little bit of a technical film in that sense. And two, I think it helps me appreciate what the writers have done. It helps me appreciate their craft a little bit more. But if you're not watching it with subtitles, I can totally understand. Let's talk about Soderbergh for a minute. Okay. Soderbergh, I couldn't agree with you more. He is hit or miss. And I think that's what I like about him is that he's, He's taking risks. He knows what he's doing with trying to make... He knows how to make a film with a lot of energy and a lot of um, pizzazz and and pacing and trying to keep people at the, at the edge of their seats. Uh, Ocean's Eleven is a great example of that. So is um, Aaron Brockovich and, you know, uh, gosh, I mean, the... Out of sight and and limey, all these films he's he's done a really really good job of keeping the pacing going and action packed, but I don't think that's what he's attempting to do here. I think what he's attempting to do is, I I think he's trying to set the stage for here's what you could do if you have an an iPhone right. and a few actors that are halfway decent and a decent storyline, you could create this this whole film. I mean, you could we you and I could have made that film. I know. I know. Do you see online they have these publicity photos of him with the iPhone yeah. 8 on a tripod or holding it in his hand yeah. during production? I it's mean, great. <laughs> and I, I think I he's know. really trying to say this is the independent film model. L- right. Look, it, this... well, look what he did back in Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Right. And that's exactly what the, I'm th- going to say. Yeah. Sex, Lies, and Videotape started, revolutionized. Started it. Yeah. Listen, I that was my focus in grad school was independent cinema. And I... I'm pointing over at my bookshelf because there's a huge number of independent film books and almost all of them point to Sex, Lies, and Videotape as being the breakout movie from 1989 Sundance that really set off this independent wave. There there would not be a Tarantino if there wasn't Soderbergh. All of that, like the independent movement came from Soderbergh. I know. And I think he feels like he's still got to hold the torch for that. Right. And I think he, for the most part, has. He's... He's dabbled in Hollywood, but he's done some really unusual types of films. Um, when he released Bubble, Bubble was a film that was released um, on video, in theaters, and on demand all in the same day. So he he toys not only with how films should be shot, but also how they should be distributed, right. how they should be watched and viewed. He, um, he released Mosaic, which was a TV show that he did with Sharon Stone, and he released it as an app on the iPhone, huh. and you could like watch different episodes and make decisions about which way uh, the character went. And then it got released as a TV show on HBO. They just said, okay, here's how we would do it. But you could actually have the app and make the decisions for Sharon Stone's character. So it was, he's really trying some avant-garde stuff. And I don't know of any other director that's really trying to do that. I mean, 
who's the most artistic, typical Hollywood filmmaker? Maybe Scorsese or something like that? And Scorsese has moments where he does that. You know, he'll make a film like Kundun or... Uh, you know, doing some documentaries or, you know, or, or the Rolling Stones right, movies right. or something mm-hmm. like that. But he still is pretty entrenched in the Hollywood um, genre. Spielberg certainly isn't sure. getting outside of that. But Soderbergh can. Soderbergh is this guy that goes everywhere. And he seems to have such a healthy background and knowledge of cinema that he can critique it. And he can do films in every single genre that you can come up with. So while I, I totally agreed, I get everything you're saying. I agree with everything you're saying. Did you like the movie? No. I, I mean, I will tell you, I get what you're saying. It was a, it was a little laborious. It was good. I, uh, how do I say it? It was okay. It was okay. What are we going to say? It did what it's supposed to do? No. <laughs> no, I don't even sure think it, it did. did what it's supposed I think to the do. worst scenes, the opening scene I really liked. That tracking, that opening shot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there were some definite scenes yeah, that, that I'm scene, like, oh, this is cool. Coming out of the elevator. In fact, he said in an interview I was reading that um, because it was an iPhone, he was able to get certain shots at certain angles he couldn't have gotten with a conventional camera. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, th- I get that and I embrace that. I just wish it could have been a better story. I think he'll probably do wait wait five minutes wait till he comes out with another movie he made all of that That's a great line wait five minutes yeah, yeah I mean with him I think he made this movie in what 18 days or something, yeah, something like, that? like that the movie had a very natural feel didn't it yeah it had a very natural flow to it I like the acting yeah I like the, you know I liked the um, was it the coach that the older guy that yeah. older dude he was he was good wasn't he, he was. good I mean he was really good yeah he he was kind of um he was the real deal he yes and he was but he wasn't over the top right no he, he was wasn't actually in fact believable. he underplayed it if anything yeah right i think so yeah I, soderbergh i don't know i think it's it's so hard to talk about any of his films without talking about his approach and his personality his stink is all over it and uh the way that he shoots things is really unusual mm-hmm. uh I, I don't know it's you know, he's retired, and then he came back, know, right? Yeah, so yeah. famously, he, he couldn't stay away, and nor should he. The dude should, he's, he's fantastic at this. Even if he turns out stuff like this, it's always interesting. There's never a film that he turns out that I'm like, what a waste of, of time. Did you see it in the theater after all? You talked no. about maybe going. No, I wound okay. up watching it online. Okay, yeah, me too, me too. Hey, by the way, let's talk for a moment about titles. We talked about this. Remember, we made fun of another film he directed called uh, Logan Lucky. Right. And remember, I was saying to you, these words should be flipped. Yeah, it should be Lucky, Lucky Logan. Lucky Logan is be- much, much better than Logan Lucky. And uh, the title, High Flying Bird, it was re- it's a song. Isn't it a song yeah, that yeah. was in the film? Well, I don't know if it was in the film or oh. not, but I get it, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Bad title. I think so, too. Yeah. Well, as I pointed out to you recently, I think I did it off the air, but Logan Lucky is such a bad title, but we never seem to forget it. It, Every time you said that to me, I still bring it up, don't I? Somebody says, hey, bad title. And I always go, oh, yeah, like Logan Lucky. (laughs) And it's like, well, wait a minute. If it's so bad, why are you remembering it every time? But I do think uh, you're right. And I think also we have to we have to remember that Soderbergh is not the writer. And, you know, if someone else is writing right. it, then That's they true. have the title for what it's going to be called. Although I think he could, it he, could be argued that he could probably influence he that. He could, I think, yeah. all the directors he could. But Another thing that I love about Soderbergh is that he's his own cinematographer. He's, yeah. uh, he operates the camera. He also edits the whole thing. That's right. And directing. Now, and I'll tell you, in this film, I think there are some scenes that are poorly directed. And Really? Yeah. 
and I, he's my favorite director and I'm watching the guy gone dude you should have taken more time with this you needed to to let these actors breathe on this scene is there a, a scene bit. in particular that you can pull in right now um, no it's, I, I noticed it several times throughout mm -hmm. the film that the actors were just hitting their dialogue too fast right and they, they weren't hitting it natural enough and I was like if you'd had a little bit more time you could have slowed these guys down and realized oh that you're going too fast. And I don't think he had the coverage to edit it away. Uh, I think he he probably just shot it so simply. There was a, a really interesting shot. I'll save it. That's my money shot. It's a master shot, isn't it? No. It's not an overall shot. Of, and then we go into the tight shot? No. no. Okay, because he did that a few times. Well, you know, I'll a, give you my money okay, shot. Okay, anyway. say it now. So there's a shot where... Oh, man, who's he talking to? There's a... It's like the... Ray, the main character, Ray, the agent, is talking to somebody at, sitting at their office. And he, who was it? I can't remember who it was. He, he slams his fist down. Oh, he drinks something and puts the cup down real hard on the desk. And the desk shakes. And you can see the camera shake. And it was really interesting because it was shot with an iPhone set on a little tabletop tripod. Cool. And the whole thing kind of yeah. shook. Yeah. And what was really interesting is that he cut to Ray's reaction right during that shake and the reaction had a shake. So he probably set up with two phones yeah. and I think he was trying to minimize the shake because it was masked with a cut and it was really brilliant. It was kind of like, Hey, I really like this take. I like the way he's saying this thing. And I almost wonder why he didn't cut just a few frames earlier. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, that, that shake that kind of boom. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, that he left that in, but yeah. I appreciate everything you're saying, and I get all that about the. Well, I can appreciate what you're saying about it being revolution slow. Revolution of independent film and everything else, and what he's done, and his style, and everything. However, I'm afraid I am putting this in that small group of movies I've been mentioning the last few weeks. Now wait and a minute. No, I am. I really am. You I'm think this is as bad as Isle of Dogs? No. No, I don't. However, I am lumping it with some of the others, such as um, Velvet, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah. And I want to say, and, and, and the Pope movie and Connect movie. And you know what, Robert? I've been waiting all week to say this to you. Mother. Mother. Is looking like a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> I've been waiting well, to that's say. Really funny. Mother is looking better and better. It's so funny because uh, that you bring that up because Soderbergh has directed a movie called The Informant. Oh, does there an exclamation mark yeah. in that? There yeah, is. There is. <laughs> There's an exclamation. Oh, the, that's funny. The Informant okay. has an exclamation point at the end, just like Mother. I did find it laborious. Yeah, for me, it, I can it see was. that. It was. Can you also appreciate? Okay, look. Here's what I would say: Velvet Buzzsaw. Was more misguided. Yes. Was more. Well, that's absolutely. what I'm trying to say. What Velvet Buzzsaw was trying to accomplish, it did not achieve. It was a misfire. There you go. It's a misfire. Misfire. There, I'm I don't think this was a misfire. It was not a misfire. I just don't think it's your type it's of film. It's not my type of film. I hate sports. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot and, of and the, it was talky. And it was all A lot of things, the but, other movies that you've cited. Now, not all. I don't. I would not say Isle of Dogs was a misfire either. No. No. It succeeded. Yeah. It, and I it hated just, it all more for that reason. <laughs> But maybe like the Pope, a man of his words, I would call that a misfire. I agree. Those inserts were so silly. Yeah. Recreated. It just didn't work. It didn't work. It was goofy. Isle of Dogs worked, but we didn't like it. Right, right. This, I think, works. Did what it was. But you have to like that kind of film. Yeah. yeah. It's a slow, independent film. It's about um, It's about sports. It's about, uh, I wouldn't say it's about race, though, even though it's well, a predominantly black. Well, I want to talk black. about that. 
I, it became about race it, at the very it end. It was in the last third, and this movie, and I, that bothered me. It was bringing up the, uh, the racial issue, and it was also near the end of the film mentioning, there, was, there were hints of um, how these athletes are exploited, mm. exploited, and that bothered me. And that bothered me a lot because when I started teaching high school in 1971, my take-home pay was 27000 a year at that time. Mm-hmm. And and these athletes who are, quote, exploited in one season, how many millions do they make? How many millions do they make for one game? I don't know. Uh, they're not being exploited. I, I resent that. I do. I, I agree. Uh, two things, I would say, okay. on both sides of the deal. On their side of the deal, I we're not talking about the... If you're talking about the, the people who are making mega bucks, right? Yeah. I think the argument is, um, let me rephrase To share the pie. A yeah, slice right. of the like pie. Kobe's jerseys are being right. sold and he's maybe not getting a percentage of that. I don't know what his deal is in particular or was in particular, but or LeBron, somebody like that of right. that caliber. Right. Are they, they're, they're, they're actually, their contract is probably so high. That's probably a bad example, but there's certainly some players who aren't getting their share of the revenue. And so in that sense, they're being exploited for their work. And I get that, but I also feel like that's part of the game. Yeah, That's part of what you're entering into is these people are going to try to capitalize on you. And that's part of it. And then if you work your way up enough, then you can make enough on your name as well. Like Colin uh, 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 Kaepernick did that with Nike ad, right? So right, he's, right. he's getting all of this mileage off of his name, his actions, and he's able to recoup a lot of that. With your say is with your pay at twenty seven thousand. Now, obviously, that was a long. That was in the seventies. That 70s. was. That's right. Now it would be closer to sixty thousand, seventy. Still thousand, but still. But even even with teachers, and I think that's a bad example to bring up because teachers get summers off. Oh, team, Robert, oh, how dare you? No, how, all these people As are doing teacher, is throwing a ball. They're throwing a ball. No, they that's had to work their entire life. They're doing. Oh man, are they're you th- kidding me? And you me? know what? They're throwing that ball really well, aren't they? No, but, they're throwing that ball no, really well. Saying. And then with endorsements, put your face on Wheaties. Sure. Well, come on, it's obscene. Well, that, well, that's what actors are doing. It's obscene. They're entertaining. But here's what I'm saying: with 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 a teacher, they as much time off as they have. If they worked a regular job, and you calculated in, so they get it another third. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a pretty decent salary. Oh, I see. So it just went up from, it went up in 1971. What did I say it was at 20, twenty-seven thousand? Yeah. So now we add a add another eight nine thousand to that. Yeah, yeah that well, fixes the problem. What was the, the, nav- what was the national the average salary at that time? I don't know. Okay, but still, I don't I don't like this exploited thing. I don't. There, can we agree that the pay they're receiving is obscene? It's obscene. It's out out of control for throwing a ball. Let them go to an inner city. No, teach it, the Great Gatsby. Okay. First, first of all, they're not the they're Gatsby. not just throwing a ball. Yes, they are. And second of all, really teachers well. are not explaining the Great Gatsby. That's the whole <laughs> fucking problem. They, they are not just throwing a ball. They're, it's upside down, man. It's no, all upside down. It's entertainment. Yeah, I know. That's why we go see movies and, and read books and everything else and listen to music. Absolutely. I get yeah. that. But it's still upside down in an idealistic world. I, I get what you, but it's all escapism. It's all people trying to escape because their realities are broken. I was bothered by the racial element that was being hinted at near the end of the film. And oh, the you, you just did, didn't even engage in my idea. No, you just changed the subject. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. I'm, I'm too busy looking at my notes. I'm too ready. I'm too busy arming my next argument. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But I'm sorry. Repeat what you just said. Please. I said it's all about people trying to escape their lives. 
And so if we're talking about sports, music, uh, reading a book, watching movies or television, any of that stuff, it's all escapism. People will pay video games, all of that. They pay money to escape the reality of their lives. Right. Right. So, no, I don't think that what they're doing is any more exploitative than anything else. So to say that they're being exploited, I would agree with you that they're not being exploited. They're playing that game. But in order to play that game, I don't think that they're just throwing a ball around. It's far more than that. They're doing a tremendous amount. They're some of the most highly gifted athletes in the world. And what do you got? Lowest NBA player is paid 116000 a year. All right. So that's, what, that's in the trenches. Oh, I thought it was more. That's the lowest? That's the lowest. Oh. Well, yeah. But I don't think they're, they're being exploited. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. I hate sports. <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> well, that's just not your... That's not your entertainment. That's not your form of entertainment. Yeah, I don't get it. Throw a ball at the team. We threw the ball better than you did, so we won. We're so excited now. We won the championship, so we're going we're gonna to turn our cars upside down and burn them because we're so happy. I don't get it. Oh, that's just, that's that's young adult male. I mean, that's that's a twenty-two year old like a, male idiot. It's like a war. It's a war combat. More twenty-two year old idiots. I no. mean, it's just dumb yeah. shit. For winning, there's violence. I can get it if you lose. You're pissed off, so you burn your city. But now, of are we late, talking about Detroit? We're talking about all the cities, aren't yeah. we? Even, well, yeah, not just. But when they win, don't they like burn cars? Nah. Yes, they do. It might have happened, but I don't think that's right. a regular occurrence. I hate sports. <laughs> All right. What's your other point? What yeah, else I don't know say? if I have anything else. That's it. But I like the acting. I like the look of the movie. I, I did like the look. Can of you the... appreciate that this was not a failure? Abs- yes, but I wish it was a better story. Okay. That's all. You I wish just... it was a different, Yeah, but can you more... appreciate that this was not a failure? Agreed. Okay. It just wasn't my cup of tea, was it? You know what I love? I love that you. your instinct was to agree. You were like, abs... Well, wait a minute. Uh, well, I'm thinking... Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm thinking, I like yeah. that. Had a natural flow, a natural feel to it, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and the acting was good. It was. Yeah, bad title. I hate sports. <laughs> All right, hey, what was your money shot? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I tried... I, okay, well, I do Tracking have, shots or anything? Yeah, the track... Man, I like you're that. so the upset elevator. right now. No, I'm not upset. The elevator... You know that shot in the yeah. elevator? It flows. It just flows. It's just gorgeous. It's a glide. A long glide out of the elevator. And I was aware of that. But there's also a moment near the end. What was it when the, when the owner uh, says to the agent, you're sitting in my chair? <laughs> yeah. I got that. I like that. See, I didn't zone out too much. <laughs> A yeah, little. Just a little bit, yeah. I, I like that pivoting. I wonder if you would have liked it more if you'd seen it in the theater. Yeah, that's a great question. I would have walked out. Uh. Yeah. Well. It should be noted that we saw Isle of Dogs in the theater, God. and both of us were... And we, wouldn't, we didn't even see it together. We did not see it together. And both of us were wanting to leave. Oh, that's the only... I kept looking at my watch. Ugh, I kept looking at my watch. Yeah. Your money shot, Robert. My money shot was the uh, oh, pounding of the it. desk. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, there were some just... Uh, I think a lot of the stuff in the beginning, the opening scene with that, um, I, things I love about Soderbergh is he he doesn't give a fuck where other people do give a fuck. Like the mismatched lighting. There's the big blue daylight that's coming in from outdoors and the the real orange tungsteny light that's coming from the 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 from the um from the incandescent bulbs that are inside. And he's just like, yeah, let them play together. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, he doesn't care. He's yeah. like, yeah, fuck it. Most DPs would have been, okay, we need to replace every single bulb in here with daylight balance right, right, and everything right, right. and just come in hours and hours of work. Right. And he's just like, no, man, we got an iPhone. We're going to fucking do the best we can. Let's go. Would you rather spend 90 minutes and have lunch with Spielberg or Soderbergh? Uh, I think Soderbergh would be a much more interesting discussion. Uh, I do too, but who would you prefer? Soderbergh. Yeah. And what would I say to Spielberg? I don't have anything to say to the dude. Oh, why'd you make Ready Player One? <laughs> All right. Well, anything I would say to him. <laughs> I don't have anything to say to the dude. <laughs> anything would be mildly <laughs> insulting. And I mean. <sighs> you talk about Munich for 90 minutes. There you <laughs> right, go. That's what that, I would do. Boy, that Munich, that Munich. And he tries. Oh, I'll tell you, that Munich. That's a great movie. <laughs> well, it's actually interesting. You know, when I was shooting jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but but yeah, Munich. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the boat. I oh, wish we had a bigger boat. Whatever. <laughs> but Munich. <laughs> You know, close encounter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could talk about Indiana Jones. I'd do some Indiana Jones talking with him. Uh, that'd be about where the conversation stops. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. All right. So this leaves the. Uh, oh, you know what? I would do. I'd, start, I'd bring up 1942. That's all I'd talk oh, about. That's really funny. That's hysterical. <laughs> that's a funny Saturday Night Live sketch. Like, just obsessed with that. That's all you want to talk about is that, that horrible. Have you movie. seen that movie? I've seen pieces of it. I've never watched it all the way through. I saw it. I saw... Was there no. like a Ferris wheel rolling? Yeah. Roll, that's, that's the image. That's, that's the climax. Yeah, that's your money yeah, shot. Yeah. Um, and it's John Belushi. And I think he like shoots the Ferris wheel and it like rolls off the edge of the pier or something like that. I don't I can't even remember what the movie's about. Man, what a piece of shit. Hey, was this movie anti-wave or not? I know. Well, uh, who's going to go? You, 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 you. I think it was, man. Yeah, yeah, of course it was for... But, okay, talk. Well, look. Okay, first of all, just the means of production. Right. You've got uh, iPhone... It was shot, it, the way it was shot with like these really kind of interesting angles. Also, uh, the lighting was not your typical Hollywood film at all for the reasons that I just talked about. Um, it was shot on a really quick schedule. I think that, I also don't think this is a, a typical Hollywood film because of what you what you have problems with, which is that it's very talky. There's but not... I like Glengarry Glen Ross. So it's not the fact that... That's I don't. Th- I don't think that's a Hollywood film. It's not the fact it's talky. It's not the fact it's talky, but it's just the fact that the talk was boring me. I'm I'm cerebral enough to enjoy a talky movie. Yeah, but look, I like my can't... dinner with Andre. Yeah, but that is not. A, that's about as anti-wave as they get. I know, but the, my point is that I'm not afraid of talk. In oh, movie. but I'm not saying that you didn't. Right. I'm saying is it anti-wave? Okay. All right. Back and to I the would anti-wave. say that the fact that Glenn Glare, Glenn Ross is very talky makes it anti-wave. Right. Right. But so. I, Okay. I, I think this film is, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that's a huge reason, but I think that's an element. I mean, we can definitely come up with movies, Hollywood movies that are very talky. Right. I think we could do that. But the fact that this doesn't have any sort of big action, it cuts away from a lot of the basketball, doesn't yeah. show a lot of the basketball yeah. here. Um, I think that, that puts it there. There's no real recognizable name. The main actor uh, who who plays Ray, was his uh, Andre Holland, he actually was one of the main stars in another Steve Soderbergh a TV show called The Nick, and uh, and so he obviously had some sort of relationship with Soderbergh. Soderbergh likes to reuse a lot of the same. Yeah, Clooney. Actors. Yeah, they've done a lot together. Well, they had a production company. That's together. right. That's right. That's right. Um, you're going to give this a high. You're going to go like eight point nine, aren't you? Mm. You are. 
I think I'd give it an eight. Yeah. 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 Now, remember, this is not a scale of how good it is. I know. It's how anti is Absolutely. It? I Absolutely. think this is pretty anti. I do, I do too. And my two points, number one, obviously it was shot on an iPhone and the rawness of the movie and and it was that natural, it was very anti-wave in the look of the film. Um, Robert, who is the protagonist? I, I definitely have thought of this. I've as thought we were about watching. this too. I think you got to go Ray. I think Ray was the protagonist. Here. I think so. Yeah. But there's a Not lot the of kid. scenes without him. Yeah, I know. And there's a lot of uh, almost storyline without him. Right, right. But so does Ray get what he wants at the end? Mm. So, doesn't. Yeah, sort of, I think he so. does, which makes it a little bit less anti-wave. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the fact that there's not a direct protagonist means it, it's oh, that's more a good anti-wave. Point. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 I'm with you on this. I'm giving it like an 8.4. Yeah. Yeah. I hate sports. <laughs> I think this movie has moments. I think you got to be patient. Uh, and I, this is not a good background movie. Yeah, you're gonna have to be... that's right. I like that term, a background movie. Mm-hmm. Just playing in the background while you're doing other things. Yeah, you're going to no, have no, no idea what's going no, on. No, no. Either you're watching it or you're not. Right. Right, right. No. Nice. All right. Hey, man. flying bird. You know, by the way, there's some things in the news. Could we do that? Yeah. Are, are you what's cool going on? Well, I, I want to mention... Um, next week we have the Oscars. Ask, you know what? We're not going to play a game this week. We're not doing a game? Let's, let's hold off on news until after Dead Corner. Let's do oh, Dead Corner first. Oh, is that what we're doing? So, got to tell you, unfortunately, we must. The following people... They done turn to dust. Yeah. Okay. So this week we've lost the following people. Last seven days who passed away, people in the industry. Larry Brandt, a 69-year-old American director, he did, he did, I want to say he wrote Halloween Resurrection. He wrote The Girl on the Train and uh, directed Mask of the Red Death. How about that? Wow. At only 69 years old, which seems young to me. Shelley Lubin, 50-year-old American adult film actress, and <laughs> she was an anti... She became an anti-pornography activist, so she was a mixed-up kid. You oh, know? wow. For, so she was a performer in the adult industry. She was known as Roxy. Let me ask you. Yeah. I, did you Google her? Google her. I have all of her collection of films uh, at home. No, oh, you mean the Christian stuff she did? Yeah. <laughs> I did Google her, but she... Um, died at only 50 and she left the sex industry and became a born again Christian and we know how she died activist no I wanted to find she out got if she committed suicide fucking what you say <laughs> she got fucked to death <laughs> Ron now you know this name this is Ron Miller Ron W. Miller he was the American he was he was the CEO of Walt Disney Company oh I didn't you, know you've that you've seen that so um, he died of a heart attack at 85 years old we lost an American actor Carmen Arganzano that does not it, sound like a stereotypical TV. American name I know I know but Stargate and, but he did Angels and Demons he had a part in that okay. film Christopher Knopf K-N-O-P-F 91 year old American screenwriter and he was president of the WGA so wow. I wanted to mention when he too. died or he just wasn't in history do you know right. I think it was in his past okay. I think it was in history yes he was 91 years old Serge Merlin an 86 year old French actor and we rarely mention actors from different countries but this is an exception because he was in uh, he was in Amelie Amelie yes and City of Lost Children so we want to mention that even though not a US actor hey, Joe, can still. you pull up a picture of Serge Serge Merlin I just want to see what he looks who like who that was from, yeah. um, right right Christopher Prey a 72 year old American improv comedian he was in Dirty Harry and also in Miss Doubtfire um, and the final Dead Corner Spotlight Award goes to Robert this one's going to hit hard you ready okay. Bruno Gantz 77 year old Swiss actor he was Hitler in Downfall Oh. He was Hitler in Downfall. This guy did, which by the way, let's say something about Downfall. 
Downfall is an incredible movie about Hitler and World War II. It was a foreign film. It was not. It did not win the Oscar. Remember, it did not win the Oscar for best foreign film, and we always felt it should be. In addition to that, he was in Wings of Desire. He was. Um, I want to say he portrayed Hitler. We know that in and Downfall. That was the the famous memes memes, memes right on YouTube. They they. The kids had a lot of fun putting it. He's ranting and raving in German. In German, right? And, and they would have they fun changing super, the subtitles. other words on top of that. Right. What he's complaining about. I want to say he had other roles in English-speaking films, including The Boys from Brazil. She was in uh, Strapless, Manchurian Candidate, the remake, the second one. Oh. He was in The Reader. This guy did a lot. But of course, I'm going to always associate him with Hitler in that incredible movie, Downfall. And that was Hitler's last week, right? Yes. Like, yeah, in the bunker. In the bunker. In the bunker. It was a really smart, well-made movie. Yeah. Just well-made. And he was terrific in that. And uh, oh, and Kirk Douglas died too. Yeah, he's dead. But I didn't give him the Spotlight Award. Just didn't want to. Nope. Nope. Sorry, huh. Kirk. Maybe next week. Weird. Yeah. Weird that you would what? put a Germ- what? a German, you put Hitler Swiss. above Hitler putting Hitler above Kirk. Yeah, well, Kirk's a Jew, you know. Yeah, he's Jewish, Jewish yeah. and you put him. Yeah, you don't wait, give the spotlight. Wait, you got a problem with that? Same vaguely anti-Semitic. Hey, man, let's do some uh, letters. You want to talk about letters? Yeah. It's time for letters and the letters, the emails. I want to say help us make our podcast better. We look forward to reading your letter, Robert. Yeah. Take it. Okay, so uh, we got a, a few things. There's one in particular I want to read here. It says. Um, Okay, it says, I enjoyed your latest podcast a lot. You two are really hitting your stride with fast and witty repartee. But what the hell was the top five art films about? Shouldn't you have picked films that are not films that are art themselves, but rather about art, specifically visual art? Um, Oh, Oh there it goes. Did you hear that? That was the ginger ale. You Um. no, you, Joey, producer Joey will get that. Oh, Joey, I'm sorry. Pregnant producer Joey will oh, clean up geez. your spill. Pre- producer I've Joey, go get some, get some paper towels and get down on your knees and scrub. <laughs> She's going to give birth in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's go back to this. Le- he brings up an interesting point. Yeah. So he says, uh, uh, all right, it shouldn't be films that are art themselves, but should be about art. So. We actually talked about this. We you did. And I. I remember I complained. Yeah. But I like the idea. I took a different think, approach. Yes. I, we discussed this ahead of time. We did. And you said, let's just go for it. I did art house movies. Yeah, because I was preparing to say, you know, what dreams may come. Because right. Because it's all very arty. Right, right. And I was going to say, you know, Pollock and, and Big Eyes. Right. Yeah. But I think that's expected. And a lot of those we've even mentioned before on this podcast. But why not talk about films that they themselves are art? His main criticism, of course, was that the movie we critiqued last week, Velvet Buzzsaw, was not an art house movie. Ah, Boom. But we don't have to... uh, Look, in the past, we did one time like movies that should have starred... Uh, who was <laughs> it? Good. Was it Denzel Washington? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. But I Tommy Lee Jones? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, it was yes Movies that yes. should have starred Tommy Lee Jones. We can do whatever the fuck we want. It's our podcast. <laughs> but I can appreciate I his I think it's comment. a legitimate point. Yeah, I, I, do. I, I do. I get what he's saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, so some of those films, uh, The Square, uh, Mr. Turner, Ruben Brandt, Collector, Never Look Away. So those are uh, some art films. Are you this, familiar with those? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Turner. That was a that was a, a movie that came a British movie that came out uh, about a year or two ago. Got it. That was pretty good. Square, everything. That's on Netflix. This uh, other listener says, um, yeah, it was talking about here's about Pollock, Frida, Thomas Crown Affair. So those are all art films. Uh, picture of Dorian Gray. Yeah. Monuments Men, all right, so uh, Woman in Gold, yeah, 
So I, I we we took it a different way. We zigged when everyone else thought we were gonna zag. Yeah. Oh, he also there's another letter: the agony and the ecstasy. No. Yeah. No. There you go. That's good. Have you heard of the film Kodachrome? No, I'm not reader. I never heard of I know it either. The, I know the the uh, Paul uh, what uh, no Paul, Paul Simon. Simon song. When I think there we go, the crap I learned in Why did I bring that up? We got through so much of an episode. Yeah. yeah, you know one more that just came to mind too, as far as art movies. Yeah, the train. I turned you on to that film. Yeah, it's all about getting art. the art. No, yeah, Germany, yeah. World War Two. Yeah, nice. Uh, all right. Hey, let's talk about the news. You want to do that? The news, yeah. yeah hey, man. you know, next Sunday, the Oscars. Oh, mm-hmm. man, they need to overhaul their PR. Robert, I think we said that there are five examples where they changed their mind. Oh, Can gosh. you go through the... Do you know what they are? Well, it's not necessarily that they've changed their mind. Yes, they it's that, that they've... Well, some of them, they've changed their mind. Not all of them, but they've... They have bowed to public pressure. I call that changing your mind, but... Well, okay. maybe not always. Right. So, for example... Uh, the first one that, and we've talked about this podcast before, but uh, ousting Harvey Weinstein was bowing to public pressure, and it's uh, I understand kicking him out of the producers' division of the Academy. Right, that's what you're saying. Right. Well, I think right. they banned him from yeah. all divisions, yeah. didn't right. they? Probably. I mean, if yeah. he, it's an interesting question. What? Before being, if Harvey Weinstein acted in a movie. <laughs> So Could he be eligible for best actor? Best actor, maybe supporting. <laughs> if he made, uh, if he made a documentary or something like that, that's really interesting. I think they kicked him out of the academy. I think that's what they did. But he has not had his day in court yet, and I don't like that. I, I court understand of public opinion, right? I understand that, but I think here's the thing. First of all, what's they should never have said anything because it sets an awful precedent. And it's not like he's going to have any movies that are going to be coming out anyway. Right? I mean, it, no one's going to want to work with this guy. Right. So why even release the statement? Right. Just say, you know what? Privately, we're not going to let this guy fly here. We can't do that. And just shut up about it. Why make a big stink? Do you know what I'm saying? Of course I do. Of course I do. All right. So there was that. Yeah. yeah. All right, then there was the, we're going to have a popular division, oh, that popular was film one. division, yeah, and everybody was like, what the fuck are you film. talking about? And they yeah, changed their they mind. They caved in on that one, that's for sure. All right, and then yeah. they, uh, they... The songs, the songs. What was this? Oh, right. oh, oh were, hold on, there was something else. Then they went to Kevin Hart, and they said, Kevin Hart, will you host? He says yes, and then people dig up some bullshit from his past How that he's already ago? discussed, right. and he's like... Homophobic. And he, homophobic he refuses comments. to apologize, and they're like, please apologize, and he says no, and then they say, all right, then you're done. Which is dumb for them. Now they don't have a host. That's right. Then they say, all right, we're going to have, we're going to play two of the five songs. Can they do that? That's obnoxious. <laughs> That's so stupid. What about the other, what if one of the other three wins, was to win? That's so insulting. And clearly they picked the, the one so that's going to win. They'd pick Shallow. Right. They would pick Shallow, which, is, I which think most the, likely will The odds win, on that are like a thousand to one, negative thousand to one. So you have to <laughs> bet a thousand dollars to win one dollar <laughs> if you know, it, that's how sure it is. I think I read somewhere online that that's, that's what the funny. odds but, are. That. Especially, and of course, they're going to sing it live. That, the two right, of, of course. Okay, but, right. the, but, that, um, but the point is that that's rude and obnoxious yeah. to the other three songs. So everybody writers. complains and they say, all they right, we'll change that. that. Yeah. And to which I said, I think I said it on the podcast last week, either don't do any songs. There, It's not like we show every film. Oh, you came up with that great idea of a medley. Well, either show no songs Play all five songs or do a medley of each one. Right. 
right? So yeah. I, that, those to me seem like the only solutions right. that are actually right. somewhat acceptable. The medley, I think people will complain, but you could get through it and be like, this is what we're going to do from, from right. here on out because this ceremony is too long. All right, so that's a solution. Or none. It's not like you have to sit there and watch every single short film in the middle of the telecast. So how about just, hey, go listen to these songs if you want them, but here's the song. And then whatever one wins, we'll play it when you walk up to the uh, to get your There award. you go. That's it. Yeah. Why do we have to listen to the whole song? Right, right. Plus, example number five, bowing to public outrage, is the four categories right. that were going to be shown during the commercials. So it hair, was hair, makeup, makeup, editing, and cinematography. So dumb. Yeah, yeah. And they were going to eliminate those from the telecast and and play them during during the uh, commercial commercial, break. and then and then now they said, okay, we're sorry, we right, right, because right. it's fucking dumb, right. And in a weird way, we both articulated this. You'd actually respect the academy more for having the balls stick to it, yes, because it looks weak. Yes, it looks weak. The academy like can't fucking yeah, they're a bunch of pussies. Yeah, yeah, they can't stick to what they're doing. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I'm glad they changed their mind. Me too. I'm glad they changed. They never their should have made that decision in the first place. Yes. Yeah, but they just they they can't seem to get their shit together. Bunch of pussies. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. at any rate. Yeah. Next Sunday. Yeah, we'll watch. We'll watch. I, I mean, I think, and I've said it so many times, I think they're just alienating a lot of people with trying to be too gimmicky. Here's the other thing, too. They're always complaining about trying to get rid of, uh, of, of, of shaving time down. But then last year, Jimmy Kimmel goes into another theater and is like throwing candy out and you shit like that. How did you feel Cut about that stuff? Yeah. You're going to spill that ginger ale again. No, no, yeah, oh, just take right. it over there. Yeah. I wanna, but I want to watch producer Joey on all fours. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you could cut all these little stupid bits that you don't really need. Ordering pizza was another one. Yeah. Remember? Like, okay. Or bringing in the, oh, the tour bus. The tour bus. The tour bus and coming I, it's, in. It's funny. I get it. But do we need it? Yeah. Yeah. Are you really? Well, my g- issue is the bantering when the two come out to present. It's awful. That's awful. It's so poorly written. It's awkward for them. Yes. For the two performers and the audience. It's right. just awkward. You've got like Meryl Streep next to James Franco. Yeah, and, and they like, have to do a banter. Hello, James. How yeah. are you? Yes. Oh, it's I'm nice great, Meryl. 19, ooh, 19. You, it's, it's, get rid ugh. of all that teleprompter bullshit. Absolutely. Just walk out and yeah. say, the award for best cinematography, uh, here are the nominees. And then list off the nominees. You, we don't fucking need you to do any sort of banter. And they're gonna. I can't wait till this Sunday because they're gonna have a bunch of that bullshit in yep, there. That's and we're, and we're gonna cut. be looking at each other, that's going, what "Should be cut? Why the right. fuck were you going to cut events like cinematography and editing and have this bullshit?" I'd be so fucking outraged if I was nominated. I'd be if if they had done what they had know, planned to do. I know. There's a lot of you're gonna outcry. cut my shit. So that we can listen to these actors stumble their way through the teleprompter? Right, That's right. so fucking dumb. And let's not forget, too, I think you mentioned this to me, that cinematography and editing is unique to cinema. Yeah. Well, I didn't say that. Who did? Uh, Adam Carolla? No, 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 no. no who no. said that? Cur- oh, Cur- D- Del Toro. Cur- was that yeah, it was Del Toro. Guillermo, Guillermo Del Toro. Yes, that was in a tweet, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's really true. It's unique to cinema. Yeah, editing and cinematography They're at the core of our craft. It is truly what he is. Yeah, yeah. And and he made a good point. He's like, all these other crafts are things that we have inherited from other other crafts. Acting was stage first. Writing that's was literary right. first. That's right. And this the, cinematography was cinematography and you could even say, well, what about photography? But this includes movement. What about editing? I mean that. That is indicative to cinema. Unsung heroes. I've said that. Editor. Yeah. The editor. 
It's an unsung hero. You it's could so argue maybe photography, product. but editing is definitely cinema. Editing's the whole flow, the rhythm. Right. Of course, they, we know they work closely with the director, I would think. Yeah. That they work in cahoots, of course. Well, if you're Soderbergh, you're doing it yourself. Yeah, right, you're right. Man. Now, here's an interesting question. These five examples, do you think any of this will be mentioned on Sunday night, the broadcast. Are they going to poke fun at themselves? Well, there's no host. There's no host. Because now it's turned but, into this whole political issue yeah, yeah. of, oh, you hate gay people. Fuck, I wish Bob Hope was still alive. Yep, Just be yep. like, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, the first Oscars was like 15 minutes. That's amazing. It can be done. Just get up there and do it. Just read it off. Be like, let's go. You know, it doesn't have to take three hours to do this it's all this pomp and circumstance where they feel like everybody has to see show choir girls running around in little bikinis and the big hairdresses it, you don't need all that fucking stuff do you remember the infamous uh, uh snow white do, do you recall no. that about 10 years ago what was that where she came out and did a routine with uh with some actor it was just god awful snow it, it white was, yes it was the, the Disney character. She was just, they were doing it. That was part of the intro. Oh. And they were just celebrating animation. And it was just horrible with bad songs. And it went on and on and on. Yes. Mm, that, I don't remember that. That. Was, that was a famous, that was actually like 20, 25 years ago when they had that beginning. But just to um, uh, get rid of all that crap. Yeah. It can be streamlined in other ways, but not by eliminating categories. <laughs> not by eliminating well, categories. What we're not even thinking? We're not even members of this committee. And we've sat here for for what five ten minutes and we've rattled off a bunch of different ways that would trim yeah. down the the whole line. is anyone is anyone in america sitting there going man i really hope joe pesci and robert de niro come out and have some sort of witty banter about their upcoming movie is anyone really psyched for that moment right, right. you could argue like uh, we, we were at a party the other day and someone had mentioned Oh, we could get rid of the in memoriam. Don't fucking get no, rid of that. People no. love that. I remember when I, that was said. I, I was at that same party and, and I defended it. And I, I get too the the idea of the songs. I think the songs should go because I don't think that's I don't think it's really fair to the rest of the categories. But if, if people like songs, okay, I get it. I mean, I think it's really there for filler. But if you're going to keep it, then what are some other things that can go? No one is looking forward to the stupid jokes that people make when they're reading into the teleprompter. No one is looking forward to that. So that's an easy cut right there. And instead, they're like, okay, we're going to have our stupid jokes, but you only get 30 seconds to say something to the rest of the world. You know, this thing that you've worked on for your entire life. Anyway. So without no host, you brought this up a few days ago. We are chatting about how... Uh, Hollywood being so um, liberal and democratic is playing it so safe and vanilla and they don't want to get edgy. No. And we talked about how it's all flipped. And it was different in the 1950s. You're talking well, about censorship stuff? Yeah, censorship. And what, what was your great quote that, um, um, who's, who's the, the punk rocker today? Is that... The punk rocker Yeah, today? the punk oh, rocker. Oh, Republican, Republicans have Republicans become the new punk rock? The new, yeah, because they're... They're more ballsy. Well, because they're more anyone who, who stands out and says, oh, I like Trump, then they wind up getting ostracized right. from the rest of society. You like Trump? Ooh, like that kind of thing. So if you really want to piss people off, if you want to be the, the antisocial um, you know, statement, if you want to be somebody that, that uproots the system, just say, I like Trump. If Lenny Bruce were alive today, he'd probably be a Republican. Well, the whole Republican <laughs> Party has shifted into something a little bit more libertarian, right? So they've merged into something a little more libertarian. Libertarians right. are really all about free speech. And I think most Republicans are, uh, most are shifting more and more into that, 
that framework. And there have become these, these words like faggot and nigger that you can't say because if you do, then the left will jump at you. That's and right. it's like the, the, free, the idea of free speech has been attacked. Absolutely. We've said this dozens of times. Uh, Mel Brooks's blazing saddles could not be made today. Right. Or, or, or retarded. Things, right. These are That's words right. that you can't, you can no longer say because right. we've, we've changed the, the whole dynamic. of. Yeah. We've come up with new, uh, new rules. Right. And it's weird because the word fuck has actually become more commonplace. And it's yeah. actually become more acceptable. Which I, when I was a kid, fuck was the... Taboo. That was the king the of all curse words, right, right? Right. Not anymore. Slipped. Interesting. Yeah. Cunt and fuck have slipped down. In the ratings. Yeah. That'll be your quote. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for the week in no the, in the news. <laughs> in the news. Weekend. Yeah. Hey man, let's uh what let's are we do doing? Some top five. Oh, top five. And hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. Okay, top okay. five this we week. Doing? Top five Soderbergh movies. <laughs> now, I know. Robert's going to have an orgasm yeah. right now. Robert's going to, yeah. It wasn't easy. For, first of all, <laughs> uh, not, not yet. Can you wait until we're off the air? I might be able to get it up again. Done. Okay, um, I'm going to go now. Um, okay, Robert. Okay, do you want a cigarette? No. You going to do it again? He's up for two. Oh, Joey. Soda Joey. <laughs> All right. I had a hard time coming up with five Soderbergh movies that I've seen, but I was able to do it. No, we, I kind of helped you guide. You did. Yeah. You did. You gave me one. You, you sent me home with one yesterday. Yeah, there you and go. And it is in my top five. But um, yeah, so this will be um, interesting. And Robert, do you want to kick it off with your number five? Sure, I'll kick it off. Now, I know you haven't seen some of these movies, but uh, I'm going to walk you through some of these. I do want to point out, I mean, look, the dude has done some great work, and he has turned in some stinkers. There's been some movies of his that I'm like, I, full frontal, I don't care for. It's almost unwatchable, and it was a Julia Roberts movie that I think he made after um, after Aaron Brockovich a couple years later, and it's, it was very similar, actually, to High Flying Bird. It was a very kind of ugh, but some of his films are absolutely in, amazing in his execution, and one of them is Bubble from 2005. Bubble is a, um, yeah, man, it's it, uh, it's kind of this uh, very weird independent film. I want, it's a, about a woman who winds up um, befriending a younger teenager. She's like an older woman. And um, I don't want to tell, tell you too much about it because I, th- I think I'm going to send you home with it at some point. I'll, I, I think I have. And if I don't, I'm, I'm, I should get it soon. And I'll send you home with it because it's a really, really good movie. Okay. Um, but it was... Um, super independent. He shot it with uh, unknown actors, and I think they were just... Um, I don't even know if they were actors. I think he just cast ordinary people in kind of the wow. um, uh, kind of Italian New Wave approach kind of thing. Nice. Neo-Renaissance. That's what I'm saying. Bubble. Yeah. Bubble. Nice. All right. Okay. My number five, I think you'll be able to identify it when I say it was 1998 with George Clooney and... Miss Lopez. No, oh, wait, not, no way out. But uh, Easy to get those two titles yeah. confused. Uh, yeah. What is it? Instead, it's called um, Out of Sight. Out of Sight. Yeah. No Way Out, Out of Sight. Right. And I saw it in the theater. Did you? For, yeah, by the way, Viola Davis. I looked oh, yeah, at, that's right. She had yeah. a small part in that film. Yeah. And she's also in uh, Solaris. So, yeah. Solaris. Solaris. She's yeah. in that too. Solaris, Solaris. But I, oh, it, was, it was a good, fun, thriller, spy thing. It, have you seen it since the theater? No. You, no. If you go back and watch it, yeah. there's some really good moments in there. Like there's a scene where they're in the trunk, locked in the trunk together. I remember that. I remember there's that. There's some really good stuff. I remember when she gets out of the trunk. Yeah. Well, she's in tight. Sure. You, you see her butt. Yeah. 
No, I, that's, yeah, I remember I from 1998. I, I, I was 18 in 1998, so... I'm We're not going to play that game, okay? All right. That's my number No, I'm just five. saying, emotionally, in 1998, I was there with you. Oh. Yeah. So you know about that scene, don't you? Yeah, for you sure. You know exactly what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was right in... Now I might see... But, oh, yeah, I guess you did show some... I've seen more butts since then. Yeah. 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 Mainly my own. I just stare at myself in the mirror. Yeah, you do that, don't you? Oh. Yeah. Oh, hey, producer Joey, this is—he's the f- father of your child. My number four <laughs> is from 2011, 2011, and he actually released a few movies in 2011. And um, <laughs> I've got two on my top five list. But Haywire, Gina Carano—do you know who she is? She's an no. MMA fighter, and he—he um, he grabbed Gina Carano and. She's a good-looking, I guess she's now a former MMA fighter, and he gets her to star in this action film, and she does all of her own stunts. And it's a it's a stunt-heavy uh, kind of spy thriller, and she, like I said, she uh, performs all of her own stunts, and, um, and it's her first big leap into acting, so she's not really an actress, she's a fighter, but it's done really well. There's some great action sequences in it. It's a cool movie. Wow. Haywire. Yeah. Yeah, I've been here. My, my buddy Eric mentioned it to me this afternoon. No, it's but good. I, I hadn't seen it. My number four, I think, is going to be on your list. Again, mm-hmm. if we're going to have any overlapping. Oh. I think I heard you say that you like this movie. And I saw it in the theater when it first came out in 1990 with Peter Fonda. Oh, no, The Limey. The Limey? Peter Fonda's in that film. You said 1990. Ter- yeah, what, yeah, 1990. No. Yes. No, buddy. Uh, am I wrong? Yeah. Producer Joey? Yeah, no, The Limey was like 96 or 97. You're, you're thinking of a different Limey. We're going to get the answer. He, the, it wasn't with Peter Fonda either. The one that he did, the Limey that he did was with um, was Ter- Aunt McDowell. What's his name? Uh, oh, Malcolm? Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell? McDowell, yeah. You might, there might be a Peter Fonda Limey. But that <laughs> That's why you liked that, it so much. That, who did? No, wait, just a minute. 1999, and that was with. Oh, that was with Peter Fonda. Peter Fonda was in that. I don't remember Peter Fonda being uh-huh. in that. He was the bad guy. But it was 1999. It was Terrence Stamp. That's who it was. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Instead of my my error was 1990. It's 1999. Cool. That's my mistake. I don't However, remember Peter Fonda I am, being in Yes. That. Peter Fonda was in it, and he was really quite good. I've only seen it once, and I, I really too. liked it. I did, too. I saw it in the theater when it first came out, so I had the wrong year. 1999. Terrence right. Stamp. And it was, uh, what was he? He was like a, a British tough guy, and his daughter yeah. is killed. And he kind of like a taken. Yes. And he came to yes. get her back. It was a cool movie. Yeah. It was a cool movie. And again. And the editing was awesome. Th- it was, it just, was really choppy. It was, it was raw movie. Yeah. It, was, it was grainy and raw and fun. Malcolm was, McDowell and Terrence Stamp are interchangeable for me. Can you appreciate that? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yeah. Of course. Okay. So which one was in um, Clockwork Orange? That's exactly. It was Malcolm McDowell, yes. I think. Yes, it was. What? Yes. Yeah. I'm okay. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they, they have a similar persona. Yeah. Right? Anyway, that's my number four, The Limey. All right. Robert. My number three is from 2013, Side Effects. Uh, this is a kind of psychological drama, uh, suspense, and uh, the idea of trying to commit somebody into a hospital and whether or not she's crazy. What is it? It's about a girl who winds up killing her boyfriend, and um, the family is trying to prove that she did it intentionally she was and she claims that she was crazy and and that he drove her crazy it's a really really good intense psychological drama did she do it mm-hmm. did she did there's she? several did twists she? in this movie 
So it's worth checking out. It's a really, really good one. Side effects from 2013. Nice. What do you got? Okay. Uh, My number three is a film that you gave me just yesterday. Solaris. 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 2002. I like this film. No, I know after I watched it, I formed my own opinions and I didn't belong in my top five that there was some criticism about it being uh, pretentious and slow. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was slow, but it took its time. It breathed. Mm. And I thought it was really, it was very well done. We've seen the premise before about dead people suddenly being alive and all that, but I love the art, artistic look of the film. Well, it should be noted. Let me pause. Let me jump in for a second. Tur- yeah. The original right. a Russian, Russian film, which is even more pretentious and more, way more slow. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, there's, it's super long shots where nothing's happening. And that was the film that basically kind of set it up. I mean, it's a remake of another film. So what are you going to do? You're going to change the storyline then everybody jumps down your throat for changing what the film is about right this was more of a clarification on what the film was about right well said well said and much shorter and cleaner i thought yeah he was he was really good with this uh clooney and um and the ending i i thought long and hard about should I do a huge spoiler alert, you know, where you real, the love of his life and committing suicide. And then she's suddenly alive on this, on the space station on that other, on that other planet. But then when he cuts his finger and it doesn't bleed, aha, uh, do you remember that? Do you mm-hmm. remember that? And then, um, and she's alive, but he turns out that he's, wasn't on earth after yeah. all, that he was on that, that ship. other ship the entire time. And I knew that that replicant kid was, his name was, um, was a snow and i knew that he i was i thought he's going to be the replicant i like that actor do you know who i'm talking about i do i can't remember yeah uh he was in lost and yeah. he was also in secretary yeah i like him he's got a wiry yeah. he's kind of a thin wire doesn't guy. he mumble yes like, yeah yeah yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but at any rate i really like the look of this film i like the storyline and the acting and everything about it and the it, music is incredible yes yeah I, I was hooked on this film. Thank you for turning me on to it. That's my number three. It really is. Solaris is some of the best music. Uh, it's, it's really, really great music. I think Cliff Mansell, I can't remember who, what, who wrote it, but it was really, really good. Uh, 2011, my number two is from 2011. Uh, it's a movie I've talked about a few times on this movie, Contagion. And I've told you before, I think this is the scariest film I've ever seen. Because wow. it's uh, all about the disease and how it would actually take over Soderbergh when they were making the um, when they were making the movie they actually set out and and put together a list of all of the different things that these kinds of movies would have with the president having these this big press conference and announcing to everyone they, they made a list of uh, here's all the things that you would typically see in these kinds of movies and they said we can't do any of them so now how do we make this movie and all of the big plot devices that you'd normally see are not there do you have it I know I have it digitally. I can't remember if I have a, uh, an actual like Blu-ray copy. That. It's great. It's really good. Nice. What do you got? What's your number two? My number two is a franchise, and no. I'm loving it as one film. I was going to have Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. <laughs> I was acting that. I was so desperate to come up with five, but I decided, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. That's not playing fair. I am saying Ocean's 11, but I'm keeping in mind all three of them. And by the way, even with Ocean's 8, he didn't direct it, but he produced it. Yeah. He produced that version too. I want to say that these are shiny movies. Yeah. That's what I call them. They're shiny, they're glitzy, and they're fun. What's Everyone loves a, a, good, a good heist movie, mm-hmm. and it's got a cool cast with actors that we like that's it that's it and like we were saying look how different 
the Ocean's Eleven movies were uh, compared to High Flying Bird. Yeah. You, the, the juxtaposition. Same director. The same director did these two films. But I thought these Ocean Eleven movies, and as we all know, it's a remake from the original Ocean's Eleven. I thought they were just fun, nifty, glitzy, and cool to watch. And you know what? He kicked off a whole new wave of those kinds of films. Absolutely. Absolutely. With You're saying with the, with the actors, the star power, well, also and the look, the that, shiny... That kind of... Um, music spirit. yeah the pacing and the yeah, music and yeah, the yeah um the those kinds of heisty movies where everyone's talking that way and and the editing all of that it, it's it was definitely referenced afterward of like oh you know kind of like oceans 11 and secretly pretty influential i don't think many people acknowledge how influential right, it is but i'm right. sure many many people when they're making these other films are let's go back and watch oceans yeah, 11 yeah, yeah, they yeah, had a lot yeah, of really good yeah. stuff in it i'm sure they were referencing that when they were doing their prep work on a lot of these other films um, Ocean's Eleven is, is great. It, it did not make my top five, um, but I love that film. And I think that's one of the few films that I could just put on and always be ready to watch. Yeah. When it's over, I could, you could start it back up from the beginning and I'd be like, yeah, let's watch it again. Yeah. Uh, it's so great. Yeah. It's a really, yeah. really good film. So I appreciate what you're saying. Thank you. My number one is from 1996. My favorite Steve Soderbergh movie. Uh, it really, really influenced me when I was down and out. And I think I might have told you the story before, but I shot a film, an experimental film in Chicago. And this was probably 97 or 98, something like that. And um, I was out shooting for the day with my buddy Mark, and we were eating breakfast. He took me to breakfast, and while we were eating, we came back out to his car, and someone had broken into his car and stolen all the film equipment. And um, my camera, tripod, all of it was gone. And we were like fuck man and we were driving around trying to find somebody like where do we even go and i was so devastated i was just broken we went back to his house and he was like well you know just hang out i guess and i was just so devastated that they'd taken all this equipment from me thousands of dollars worth of film equipment which was idiotic for me to have done left it in the the car in the first place but I, i got to his place and his roommate said oh well you should you know if you got nothing to do here check this film out it's really good it was schizopolis and uh, put it on and it made me laugh and it made me think and it really uh, influenced me in a very, very major way. And the footage that the, the people didn't steal, I had a little bit of footage that, um, that the people, when they broke into the car, didn't take. I edited the film together and I actually titled the film after a part of the movie Schizopolis really? because it really, really affected me that much. And um, and there's a really great scene in the movie where this guy is running across a field. The pan- camera pans and it comes over to this tree and, and nailed into the tree is a sign that says, idea missing. And it was basically just like, he didn't have an idea for this. It was just like, idea missing. And, and I was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of how I feel on this movie. It's like, I don't really have an idea, so I'm just going to, this idea is missing. Here you go. Was that the title? You made that the title of your That film? was the title of my film. That's funny. That's funny. And... Um, and it really helped me out. And I've gone back and watched it since. There's some brilliant moments in that film. Really, really brilliant mo- moments. There's uh, there's scenes where... There's a couple scenes. It's a very, very artsy movie. And it's very avant-garde. Different actors play the same character. It just It's broken into all these different, different acts. Different actors play the same. Yeah, it's, it's very weird. He only hired one real actor. All of the crew members actually play parts. So he, as the director, is the main actor in the film for most of it. And then other actors take over the role. It's, it's very strange. There's scenes where he'll come home and he'll be having a conversation with his wife, but they'll be saying 
it, the, the script is written in a way where they'll be saying what they intend, not actually what they're saying. So they'll say, uh, generic greeting. She'll say, generic greeting return. <laughs> and it's just, it's those kinds of conversations where, uh, and he'll say, uh, uh, you know, like, um, uh, timid request for sex um, over denial of sex or something like that. It's basically the intent behind every single line that they say. It's awesome. They talk in r- just crazy ways. It's really interesting. Wow. So, anyway, the the film is incredible. The way I heard it, I don't. I've never been able to verify this anywhere, but the way that it was told to me was that Soderbergh wanted to leave filmmaking, and uh, his psychiatrist convinced him to go back to where he was from, his hometown, and make a film with his friends, and um, and just kind of get back to his roots. And I, I've never heard that or verified that anywhere else, but I always thought that was a really interesting take on the film. Check it out. And if you want to go home with it, I've got it right there. I was reading that he did go through a bout of severe depression for a while. So maybe that supports what you're just saying. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, you got to remember after 89, when Sex, Lies, and Videotape comes out, he is thought to be the golden child. Right. And then he releases Kafka. He releases King of the Hill. And these are the, the underneath, I think he did. He did like two or three films where it was kind of like, what's up? This is like M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. It is, And, right? and they were just kind yeah. of like, no one saw him, and it was, it was just nothing. And he's kind of going, what the fuck? I thought it was supposed to be this... Golden child. Yeah. 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 And no, nobody cared. And I think that really upset him, and I think he was derailed. And I think that's also... I think it was actually healthy for him to have that. Right. Uh, because the films that he was making, like uh, King of the Hill, if you ever watch it, it's a really, really good movie, but it's a total Hollywood schlocky kind of I mean it's gone it's it's well done but it's um, there's nothing there's no twist to it you know there's a, a lot of his other films have a little bit more anger and bite to it so I don't know check it out if you can Schizopolis is great his wow. whole body of work is incredible nice alright what you got what's your number yeah, one for my number one you probably thought I was going to have the Ocean's Eleven franchise I did I thought you were going to one. one I knew I was going to surprise you on that one and uh, so my number one is Logan Lucky. No, just kidding. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it okay. Okay. Yeah. Racetrack horses. Yeah. It, and... He actually said something about that. I read an interview with him later after we reviewed the movie, much later after we re- reviewed the movie. He said that he wanted to kind of go back and basically do a film that he already knew how to do, Ocean's Eleven, but do it in a different environment. Right. And there were some distribution things that he wanted to see. He wanted he was experimenting with other elements. And that's what he was trying to do by doing the, a film that he already knew how to do. Right, right. So the parallels to Ocean's Eleven are not lost, even on him. He's going, oh, yeah, I knew. But I was trying to do some other stuff. Right. But wasn't Ocean's Eleven just more fun yeah. than Logan Lucky? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I might surprise you. Well, maybe I won't, but I'll, my number one favorite movie, this will surprise you, 1989. We referenced it earlier in our talks of Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Yeah. And I want to say as far as obviously the significance, and like we did say earlier, that this film is indeed responsible for the for the new wave of independent filmmaking right. in the 90s. This was made in 89, and the push through the 90s was, um, was real significant in the independent film world. I forgot James Spader. Yeah. He, James Spader was kind of it for a while. For he, uh, about three months. Three, well, he, yeah. <laughs> and this was one of the months. Yeah, and this was one of the months. And Aud, what's her, McDowell? Yeah, Aud, Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell, yeah. And the whole thing with the... Um, Malcolm McDowell? Mal, no, don't no, <laughs> start up with that again. No, it was Terrence Stamp. <laughs> um, this, the, the nuances of sexuality 
And it was really right. intelligently told. And I saw it in the theater when it first came out. And I was quite blown away by it. And I knew that this was an independent film. It was, it was indeed, that was, it was labeled that way. That was a reputation. And it just worked. It was a significant movie for independent films. But I also liked the movie a lot, standing on its own. And I thought it was, a, I'd be curious to see it again. I have not seen that film since 1989. Since 89? Uh, yeah, when it first wow. came out. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. I, I wonder if it holds up. Have you I've seen, seen it since recently? Then. Oh, I didn't watch it in 89. Right. So, yeah, I've definitely seen it since then. I probably haven't seen it in about 10, 15 years. But that's good. I mean, it, it's not his best, but there are some really nice elements in it. I think you have to understand at the time, what else was there? It was a, it was a ghost town of independent films. Right. I mean, the, the, was the, the Brothers McGullen or whatever that was? That, right. there, were, there were a few other independent films that were kind of up and coming, but this was, this was really well done for, uh, for 1989. Look at that word, videotape. It's funny. That's right. so archaic. Uh, right. Yet look how, with cameras now all over, digital, yeah. that it's yeah, that it's an archaic, is that the right word? It's yeah. an anachronism? Is that the most? Well, right? I don't know. I think it's no, archaic. It's arca- I think it's, it's a better archaic. term. Right, right. So it's, it's I ironic. Have a, I have what an observation that I think you could really dig on. Can you appreciate that the same director has one of the best titles for a film and one of the worst titles for the film and the best title being sex lies and video agreed agreed what a great title for a film agreed agreed i mean it's it says everything that you need to know about the film it's really memorable sex lies and videotape i love those three words and it works it's yeah and it's provocative i mean what other films i can't up until 1989 i can't think of any other films that use the word sex i remember even at the time like my parents didn't even want me to see the title of the film. It really wasn't that bad. I think there was some nudity, maybe a little bit, but it wasn't anything that was really all that right, provocative. Right. But it was thought to be like, oh no, this is this is perverted stuff. That's interesting. Prior to that, were there any other movie titles that had the word sex? Well, there's that Woody Allen movie. Uh, the Everything we knew about knew sex, about but sex. we're afraid to ask, right? Which was based on the book. So there you go. But your point is really well made. What a provocative, edgy title for 1989. And I look guess how smart with, that title with Woody is. Allen's use of sex, it almost is medical. Yeah. Here, this is sex it's, lies. Yes. I mean, there's deceit with Woody there. Allen, it's more playful. It's and videotape. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, wait know, a minute. I know. What, I know. what the hell's going That's on That's a here? real good point. And, you know, I've, I've never heard that discussed, but I really think the title of the film helped break it out. Uh, how could you not? How could you turn away? How right. Could how could you not, you be, not be interested? That's it. Hmm. But Logan Lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's my second favorite title of all time. No, actually, I think it's um, High Flying Bird. There's another three-word title. Uh, <laughs> that's my number one. All right. Hey, man, we did it. We did it. Did we do it? We did it. Yeah. yeah. We, don't, we don't need no stinking game. Yeah, fuck the game. Hey, let's thank producer Joey anyway for doing a great job of cleaning up your spill. <laughs> yeah, sorry nice about job, that, producer Joey. Joey. You see all that dirt on her hands and knees? She's yeah. scrubbing and it's scrubbing. On all fours. That's where your wife should be barefoot, pregnant on all fours. <laughs> That's my wife. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Hey, uh, if we left off any Steve Soderberg movies, although I don't think we have. <laughs> I don't think we have them. Maybe, maybe you talk about the Shea Guevara. I don't know. Shea Guevara? He did like a series on Shea did Guevara. He? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Anyway, he, but not Shea. That was a separate. Was that a feature? It was, oh, it was two films. Oh, okay. Shea Part 1 and 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Anyway, yes. if there's anything that we didn't mention, which I seriously doubt, but uh, something that if you get if we got the order wrong, I don't know, whatever you want to talk about, you could send us an email to Robert at antiwavepodcast.com or and slash or Ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Or you could send us a message through, message through Instagram or Twitter, which is both at antiwavepod. That's right. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? We are. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, we're on Podbean. Just go to our website. Or sh- drop us a, a couple bucks to keep the sprocket holes moving down on, uh, on Patreon. Holes. That'll yeah. help as well. Hey, man. What's going on next week? Next week, yeah. we're going to watch the Oscars. We are. We're going to have a very special guest next week. We are. Yeah. Yeah, he's a professor of film. Mm-hmm. He's important. A professor of film. Ooh. A man of film. Ah. A man of science. He, well, Eric Swalstead will yeah, be in here next week. This. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So he usually watches the, the Oscars with us. He's done the past That's right. two years, I think. Yes. All right. Yeah. So he'll be in for year number three. Yeah. Almost, yeah. almost three years I've been doing this. That's amazing. Look what you've done to me. We yeah. have to get Eric a jacket that has, because it'll be his fifth podcast. Uh-huh. Three, so we have to get that jacket like on SNL where they have the number five on the back. I'll let you get back. that. That would be an Ira thing to do, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> all right, so uh, did we miss anything? I think we covered it all. all right. Yeah, this is fun. Cool, man. Yeah. Hey, so I guess until next time, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. Hunt and Fox have slipped down in the ratings.